Uh, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help me to speak your words boldly and in truth. Uh, pray for your wisdom, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Think about the songs that we're singing, and uh, I was actually thinking about it earlier when Lauren was practicing them. And Psalm 138 says, I'll praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. I think it's important for us to remember that God's word is so important that he's magnified Jesus Christ, his word, above all his name. Um, so I, I prepared a small font, nine-page sermon again. I, I can't stop adding. I have a problem. So I keep adding scriptures. So, uh, but I've decided, I think God's led me, I'm going to set that aside. And we'll just look at what the scripture says and, uh, and just kind of comment on it as we go and see where that goes. So the passage today is Titus 1, 5 to 9. This is for this cause, Paul's talking to Titus. He says, for this cause, I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had pointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast to the faithful word, as he has been taught, hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Before digging in too far, I think it's important to acknowledge that there's some parallels to this. Um, remember, by two or three witnesses, let every word be established, and our Bible does that all the time. So just briefly, I'd like to read 1 Timothy 3, or parts of it. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection, with all gravity, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And another passage, I'm going the wrong direction, is Peter, First Peter Peter says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of, Je of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, 
which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Verse 6 also says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So I like how God does that. He really establishes his word by repeating, God speaketh once, yea, twice. That's Job 33, 11. Which is interesting because 33 is like a repeat of three and 11 is a repeat of one. It's funny how God does stuff like that. So going back to the, the text, it's for this cause I left thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting uh, just look at what we're talking about here. God wants things in order. He's a God of order. So what comes next is about how to maintain order, how to... You version in present play. <laughs> the audio comes in. I've done that, actually. <laughs> um, so setting in things in order uh, and, uh, and then what is wanting. So... I think to set the stage here, there are a bunch of people meeting together called the church throughout Crete. And they need to have some leadership to set things in order. There's a, there's a want or need for it. So this is ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Why an elder? What is the role of an elder? And when we looked at those parallel passages, we saw that an elder is going to hold fast the word of God. That's the uh, verse 9. It's going to hold fast the word of God. Uh, if we look at, um, just going to flip there, Acts 6. Real quick. I probably have uh, like 40 verses in, the, in my study there, but... Uh, we would be here all day, I think, if we read through them all. In uh, those days, when the number of disciples were multiplied, there rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So what were they what were they doing? They were handling the word of God. They they were given to prayer continually and handling the word of God. So that's that's the role of elders in our church is to be there to minister the word of God to everybody, and it's to pray continually. I think of the verse in uh, Second and First Timothy, sorry, First Thessalonians five, where it says, uh, "Pray without ceasing." Uh, five twenty four. I think it says, "Pray without ceasing." That's the role 
uh, in, in that leadership is to commit time daily to continual prayer, studying God's Word, and to be able to share that truth and ensure that Word is being held fast within the community of the church, that it's going to be a sure foundation for everyone, and to be able to answer the questions when the questions arise, what do I do with, how do I make this decision in my life, and elders there to help guide and, and direct those in the church to shepherd. And then there's the criteria or the qualifications of what makes up an elder. Now this is maybe not the most exhaustive list in this chapter, but it parallels what's happening, what Paul's telling Timothy, what, Paul, what Peter's talking about. They just tend to add a few more. Paul adds a few more things in Timothy. But we'll just look at this list because we're probably looking at Timothy coming up, I imagine. As if any be blameless. Well, what is it to be blameless? Does that mean you're perfect? Well, it's not about perfect, but I looked into some more scriptures about blameless, and what I saw was without disputings, without murmurings. So are we, uh, you know, as, as a, um, a man of God, as a man of God needs to be not causing dissension and trouble and murmurings, and they need to be blameless. They need to be without reproach. The husband of one wife. Now, this could be its own really deep topic, but I think there's some obvious things in here. One is the husband of one wife. Having more than one wife would, you know, and culturally, they obviously had some people that were having more than one wife. We don't see that in our North American society, but had you had more than one wife, you wouldn't qualify because how can you divide your time more than, you know, taking aside time from one? I think it's also important to recognize that this is a male role. It's pretty hard to be the husband of one wife if you're a woman. But, well, maybe not today. These days they tend to change names and, and titles and stuff. But in the truth, the truth of God's Word, this is a male role. There are male roles, there are female roles, and Scripture goes through a lot of that. So maybe not everybody likes to hear that part, but that's the truth. So the husband of one wife, and why? Why a husband? Why, why not just a, a young man that's out there, or maybe an old man that doesn't have a wife? Why the husband of one wife? Why is that a qualification? Well, we saw in Timothy, it has to do with ruling well your own home. You, you pretty well can't have a home unless you've had a wife. And how do you learn all the stuff you need to know to be prepared to be an elder if you don't already have a home and a wife and learn how to care for your family, learn how to deal with difficulties? I mean, any husband here, well, the wives also know this too, but any husband knows that there's going to be tough times in marriage. <laughs> and so how do you deal with that? How does God use your soulmate, your, your incompatible partner? Because the reality is God doesn't give us compatible partners. He gives us the ones that are going to refine us. And so that's why God says you need to be the husband of one wife so that you can be honed and and tested and helped to know given wisdom by experience and understanding deeper than someone who has never been married can understand even paul it's interesting he's telling us this in first corinthians he says i 
he, I can't remember how he says it. He says, I speak by permission. But he doesn't have the experience himself. He speaks by permission. It's very interesting. Paul doesn't actually declare himself an elder. Peter does. Peter says unto the elders, uh, one that I am. But Paul tells us that he's a preacher and a teacher and an apostle. So when he qualifies himself, that's how he says it. He doesn't say, by the way, I'm an elder too. He's establishing elders, but he's not an elder necessarily himself. So we don't have a qualification problem. And both, or all three passages are talking about being a husband of one wife. Having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly. Are you ruling your house well? You know, a man of God, an elder, a bishop, needs to rule the home well. If you can't do that, Paul said in Timothy, how can he handle leading the, the, the church? He can't. He has to keep his home under control. Does that mean that the actual um, children are also in the same boat and, and 100% right? No, it doesn't. It means that he's controlling his family and saying, if that's your behavior, you're going to be disciplined for this. You're going to be doing this in my home, and if you're going to do that, you can't be in my home. He's ruling his home well. And wouldn't that be similar in the church? If someone was being unruly, disputing, murmuring, causing trouble, then the elder has to take the same hard steps and say, if you're going to do that, you can't be in this place because you're causing trouble. Then we have a repeat. It says for a bishop. Now, we just saw the word elder. Now it says bishop. Paul's united those two. Bishop Bishop is a, an overseer. A bishop is uh, the presbytery. A presbytery is a group of elders. Same, it's the same idea. A bishop must be blameless. Double established here. Must be blameless. It's not should be or could be. It's not talking about a person that's perfect. It's talking about a person that shows, hey, this is what I've done. I'm not going to hide it. It's not going to be in secret. And I endeavor to be righteous. I endeavor to follow what the Lord has for us. So as the steward of God, what is the steward's responsibility? You know, a, a good steward is going to be responsible. And at the end, when he's called to show forth what he's been responsible over, he's going to say, you know, here's what I've done to honor you. And who's the steward honoring? The Lord. The steward is waiting for the Lord's return. So they're standing in a place of responsibility in the stead of their Lord, waiting for the Lord's return. And they want to show forth, look at the fruit, look at the, the increase, look at what we've done. Here it is, Lord. Not for his own glory, but for the glory and honor of his Lord. Not self-willed. So how do we, how, do, how does an elder choose to not be self-willed? Does he try and always seem to gain his own way? Or is it about showing that God's way is the right way? Well, we know what the answer is. It's about showing and following God's way, God's will. Not for his own gain, not for his own personal interests, not for his own glory, but for the glory of the Lord. Not soon angry. 
That's a tough one. I struggle personally with this one. Wow, I struggle. I get so angry so quickly sometimes, many times, much times. I'll just be straight up and honest with you. I get angry really easily. It's tough. Why an elder not soon angry? Well, it kind of goes back to, you know, um, not self-willed. You know, if you're, if you're looking at it as about God's will, then it's not about your agenda. Then it, you wouldn't necessarily be getting angry because it's not, affect, it's not your problem. Does that make sense? It's about seeing God's will be done. Jesus said, thy will be done. It's the same thing. So it's not about whether I'm offended or not. Because it shouldn't be about that. It's about the Lord's will and the Lord return and feeding the flock. Feeding the flock is one of the roles of an elder, to go feed the flock. Remember what Peter, an elder, was told. Feed my lambs. We just went through John. Feed my lambs. Not soon angry. That's a, that's a hard one for me. <laughs> Not given to wine. Well, when you're given to something, that is idolatry, right? If you're not given, you give to the Lord, that's worship. If you're going to give to, be given to something else, that's worship to something else. When you're given to wine, that is a master over you. Alcoholism, it's a form of idolatry. It's a master over somebody. Any addiction, it really is a master over the person because they don't do their own will. They fall into that, don't they? They, they give up their will for the alcohol, for the whatever other sinful um, addictions are. Pornography or um, drug, drug abuse or whatever. It's not given to wine. If an elder was to be consuming wine regularly, where would their judgment be? I mean, alcohol impairs judgments, intoxicant. So would you trust that person? You shouldn't want, trust them to drive you around. Would you trust them to lead, to lead the flock? We shouldn't. An elder must be not given to wine. Timothy was told by Paul, drink no more water, but drink some wine for your stomach's sake. Now Paul then two chapters later, says an elder must not be given to wine. What's the contradiction? Well, there isn't one. Because Paul's saying, medicinally, you need to take some wine for your stomach condition. Okay? But you cannot be given to it. So you can take a measure, but you're not going to be given to it. You're not going to... You cannot be regularly drinking alcohol. No striker. Well, could you imagine having your elder getting into fisticuffs? Getting into brawls? This would, this would go along with the anger. Why? If you're not quick to anger, then you wouldn't get yourself into those situations. And even if you took that down a not, notch, um, not unruly, not... Um, disputations, not trying to get into an, an argument all the time to show that they're right. This elder is not about being right. It's about showing that God is right. 
Not given to filthy lucre. What is lucre? We use the word, but we use it a bit longer. We call something lucrative. It makes money. An elder should not at all take money for things or not accept the bribes. See, or even be given over to how can I make more money? This is, is talking about filthy lucre, very specifically about underhanded, sneaky bribes and things, right? Remember, the love of money is the root of all evil, okay? Don't even open the door a bit because if it opens up, then it'll open wide because it's the root of all evil. But a lover of hospitality. So invite your elders over, put their feet up, feed them, give them coffee, give them tea. Oh, sorry, not, no, that's not what it means. An elder should be hospitable. That should be a hallmark of an elder. Someone who's going to invite people in, take care of them, and not their favorite people. Not the people that are dressed the nicest, or like James talks about, uh, partiality. This is bringing in everyone, bringing in anyone, being willing to care for those who you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable caring for. A lover of good men. This one I think we could go really far down. It's evil communications corrupt good manners. And if an elder is going to be hanging around on the side, having, I don't know, drunken football game parties, maybe not drinking themselves, but hanging around in that atmosphere, that evil communication is going to corrupt good manners. So the elders need to be standing one together. They need to keep company with those who are going to help shore them up and sharpen them to share the Word of God together. Sober. Now, we just talked about not giving to wine. But sober isn't necessarily alcohol-specific. Sober is of sound mind. And what are the things that affect the mind? Yes, alcohol affects the mind. Drug affects the mind. Physical ailments like dementia affect the mind. So, what are we looking at for qualifications of an elder? Now, if someone is the point of dementia, they wouldn't qualify as an elder. That would not be a wise choice. If somebody was injured to the point where they have to take a lot of prescriptive medication, that would probably not be a good choice because the person is going to have an effect on their mind. Again, that's going to affect their judgment. What about other things like yoga, which affects the mind? Yoga, kundalini yoga, is all about opening up your pineal gland, which is turning the lights off and opening up your mind to demonic activity, devils. What about Lectio Divina, contemplative prayer? This is really prevalent in the church today. Lectio Divina is where you stare at a candle that's lit and you contemplate just one word. Pick a word randomly out of the Bible and you contemplate on that word for a period of time and you open your mind up. It's part of Eastern mysticism. It's something that monks took from some of the Eastern practices and applied it 
to Catholicism, and they promote this idea, and it's been promoted in the church today. That's mind-altering. So we need to be sober of sound mind and make good judgment. Just. What does God say he hates? An unjust balance. So an elder must be just. And when an elder doesn't know what the right decision is, it's going to go here, right? And that's where he should go first, <laughs> is get into the word of God. What is the answer to that? Well, the wisdom is here. You know, Solomon's a very wise king, and he was able to, you know, he pulled a sword out once and said, oh, let's divide this child in half. He wasn't really going to do it, but it was to make a judgment, to make a point, and it was a wise choice. He, he found, we can find answers like that in the scriptures on how to make those choices. An elder must go here. Holy. The guys who wrote this Bible, the 40 men that wrote the Bible, says that holy men of God spake as they were led by the Holy Spirit. So how do you be holy? Well, God does that. It sanctifies you to be holy by his Holy Spirit. If a man is not acting holy, he doesn't qualify as an elder. If he doesn't, that doesn't mean he's sinless. God changes his children. And that person wants to live a holy life. There's a desire. When you become a believer, there's a war in you, isn't there? Paul said, in me dwelleth no good thing. But then we also see that there is that good thing that dwells inside us, the Holy Ghost. So the spirit lusts against the flesh, and the flesh lusts against the spirit, and there's a war. The elder has been fighting that war for a while, and he knows to trust in the Lord for that. He knows to rest in the Lord in that, and the sanctification of the Holy Ghost makes him holy. We are righteous through faith in what Jesus Christ has done. And we trust that. So the elder trusts that. Temperate. Well, I work in the metal industry. You know how to temper something? Two ways, two things, two elements. Heat and pressure. So an elder will have gone through some heat and some pressure. You know, that ties right back into what Paul told Timothy. He says, not a novice. See, you can't come in to be an elder. You can't come in to be in that leadership role as a newborn Christian. You need to have some heat and pressure to temper you. Also goes back to the not, not soon angry and things like that. You're going to be more self-controlled. Well, let's say more Holy Spirit controlled, right? It's not about self. It's about submitting ourselves unto the Lord for his control. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. Holding fast, not giving up, don't give up the word. An elder must not go find another solution somewhere else. It's got to go here. See, it's so easy to go look for psychology or other wisdom that's out there, but where does the elder, where must the elder go? Must go back to the faithful word of God. Let's hold fast there. And when that trial comes or when the difficulties come and they will come in your personal life and they will come in the church, you must hold fast. Another way of saying it is to stand fast. Remember Ephesians 6? Wear your armor. Stand fast against the wiles of the devil. 
And the only way to do that is to hang on for the ride <laughs> to your Bibles. And then maybe that he may be able, I sound doctrine, to both exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Next week, Lauren will be preaching on those gainsayers. And it's interesting, if you start reading the lines, they're almost anti-elder qualifications. So you actually look and you see there's unruly, many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. You start seeing the opposition to it. They subvert. They teach things which are contrary to sound doctrine. So we need to hold the sound doctrine. Do sound doctrine comes from reading the Word of God and laying precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here, there, here a little, there a little, and building those sound doctrines off the Word of God and, and being able to teach that so that you can silence the, the, the false teachings. And there's going to be so many false teachings that come in. There, there are so many false teachings that come in that an elder needs to have that sound doctrine. So you can say, no, that's not right. Gently, kindly, firmly, that's not right. Don't let that come into our church. Thank you very much for your idea, and you're welcome to that, but don't let that come in. That's out there. So why? Why do we need to fill the role, the roles in our church of elder? Well, because God's Word says so. Right? Because it's orderly to have that governance built in. It's orderly to have those that are committed to the prayer time and committed to the, the teaching of God's Word. And without it, the church doesn't have that order or direction, doesn't have the foundations laid in there. You know, you think about the whole church, it says, is founded on Jesus Christ, the rock, the cornerstone, right? The chief cornerstone that was rejected. But it also says that it's founded on the apostles and the prophets, which are laid on him. And guess what we get to be? Lively stones, fitted together in that same building, in that same structure called the temple of God. But we're founded on them, and they're founded on the word. So we all go back down to that foundation, that chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And that we want that to be orderly. If you don't, it's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the river comes, the trial comes, the, the unsound doctrine, the every wind of doctrine comes, the foundation's lost, the whole building's lost, it's all lost. So let's build our house on the rock that's wise, and we want our elders to be wise. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to speak from your word. I ask that you would help us to model this church, model our lives from your word after your instruction. Thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you that you didn't abandon us, that you've given us your word, you've given us your Holy Ghost. Thank you that you sanctify us. Thank you that you fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.